to be able to give information this morning that we would be able to harmonize those scriptures that seem to contradict themselves and the things that we teach. The Ten Commandments is a great controversial subject in the religious world. It seems that many people feel that we're making a big thing out of nothing. But yet, brethren, when you stop and consider that our future, our whole life, as far as our future life depends upon our obedience to God, it's something that is not trifle, but important. And what is decided, whether we live or die in the future, depends upon our obedience. So we ought to be looking into the scriptures and finding out what is commanded and what is not commanded. <clears throat> there are scriptures that commands us to do certain things. Then there are scriptures that speak to us that the law was nailed to the cross. How can one harmonize such things? Next Sabbath will also be an, another addition to what I'm speaking on today. Next Sabbath, Lord willing, I'd like to speak on Colossians 2, 14 to 17. That's next week. And it does deal with the law that was nailed to the cross. Sorry to say, and I'm not trying to be speaking down today, but I'm trying to be honest. There are many that are in the church of God that cannot harmonize these questions, these scriptures. People that were born and raised in the church. Simply because that so little is being taught. How to divide scripture. <clears throat> Referring to the Ten Commandments. In Matthew, the fifth chapter, <clears throat> and I certainly hope that you brought your Bibles today so that you can look at it yourself because it's easier to understand when you're looking at the scripture rather than just listening to someone speak. In Matthew 5, in the 17th verse, and the 18th verse, Jesus said, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Now we're going to come back to this verse later on in our message this morning. But it is thought that Jesus, when he came and when he died, he fulfilled the law. Therefore, it is not necessary to keep 
But yet those very same people, brethren, do not believe that you ought to steal, that you ought to commit adultery, that you ought to take the Lord's name in vain. They say the Lord brought nine of them back. If he brought nine of the ten back, which one did he did not bring back? Well, the fourth one that deals with the Sabbath. <coughs> Don't you think that that's a hard way of doing away with one commandment? Why didn't the Lord just simply state that the Sabbath is no longer to be kept? Rather than doing away with all of the ten of them and bringing nine of them back. That's going way around the bush to get, a, to get rid of the fourth, just, just one commandment. Yet, Jesus did fulfill and we want to find out what it means when it says that he fulfilled. But the 18th verse, he says, For verily I say unto you, Till heaven and earth pass. Has heaven passed? Do we still have the earth? Yes, we do. Till heaven and earth pass, not one jot. Not of an eye. Nor one tittle, even a cross of a T. Shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. We still have heaven and earth. And brethren, there are several things in the Bible that hasn't been fulfilled yet. Jesus hasn't returned. So the prophecy and the promise of him coming back to this earth has not been fulfilled yet. And so he says, until all things been fulfilled. Not even a dot of an I nor a cross of a T is going to be taken away from the law. <clears throat> but we want to look in deeper we want to look deeper into the scriptures this morning hopefully we'll be able to understand in a clearer way what the scriptures wants us to understand Just for a basic <clears throat> foundation this morning, which our sermon today is more or less a basic foundation for our sermon next Sabbath, turn to Exodus 31. <clears throat> Exodus 31. Moses upon Mount Sinai. He is receiving something from the Lord here. Exodus 31 and verse 18, it says, He, the pronoun he here is God, the creator. And he, and he, that is God, gave unto Moses when he had made an end of communing with him upon Mount Sinai two tables of testimony, tables of stone written with the finger of God. Now, when we study the subject of the commandments of God, it is good to have a, a good, 
clear understanding as to who wrote what. And what did they write? Their instructions on or in. We find, first of all, here that God wrote the Ten Commandments. It was God that wrote them on tables of stone. When you write something in stone, it is there eternally. It is there forever. God intended his instruction of the Ten Commandments to last forever. He did not ten, intend for them to be for a certain period of time and then man could do whatever he wanted to do. Some people feel that the commandments were given to sort of hinder man in his life. But brethren, God gave us a commandment for us to live a complete, a happy, and enjoyable life. Sin is what has brought unhappiness and discontentment and sorrow in this life. He has given us the Ten Commandments to keep sin out of our life so that we can enjoy life. And whether you realize it or not, the Sabbath was one of them. The Sabbath was not given for us to necessarily take a nap on. And I'm not preaching against taking a nap on Sabbath. I do myself once in a while if time permits. But Sabbath was given for us to especially, especially remember our Creator. That we would not forget Him. That we would not forget His ways. God wrote with his finger and he wrote them in stone there's something else that I like for us to, to, to notice in Deuteronomy the 10th chapter Deuteronomy the 10th chapter you remember if you're a Bible student at all if you've heard any Bible stories at all You've heard at one time or another when Moses came down from the mount. He saw Israel worshiping a molten calf. After such a glorious mighty way that God delivered them out of Egypt. I'm depending on my memory. Correct me if I'm not correct. Those of you who know, I believe Moses was up there for 40 days, wasn't he? I'm depending on my memory now. In 40 days, they had forgotten who it was that had delivered them. And they were worshiping a molten calf. This is what delivered us. This is what's going to provide for us. 
And when Moses saw them worshiping the molten calf, he became angry. And so he dropped the two tables of stone and he broke them. And he broke them. And here we find that God said, Moses, I want you to hew two tables of stone. If you begin with the first verse of the 10th chapter of Deuteronomy, you'll find that Moses, uh, excuse me, God tells Moses, I want you to hew two tables of stone. Moses didn't have to do that the first time. God did it all himself. He said, you hew two tables of stone and you bring them up unto the mount. Now what is he going to do? Notice verse 4. It says, and he wrote on the tables according to the first writing. According to the first writing, the Ten Commandments, which the Lord spake unto you in the mount out of the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly, and the Lord gave them unto me. Verse 5, Moses said, And I turned myself and came down from the mount and put the tables in the ark. In the ark. And there they be as the Lord commanded me. Now that is very important. In our being able to identify scriptures later on, especially in Galatians and Romans, it's important for us to understand who wrote the Ten Commandments, what he wrote them on, and where they were put. Where they were put. And the fourth one, to determine how long they were to exist. But there was also another law that was written. This is found in Deuteronomy, the 31st chapter. Deuteronomy, the 31st chapter, beginning with the 24th verse. It says, and it came to pass when Moses had made an end of writing the words of this law in a book. Well, there was another law that was written. It was written by another individual. It was written on different kind of material than the Ten Commandments. Now, even though that it says that Moses wrote them, I wanted to make it clear that Moses was not the author of it. He was only the secretary, as we would say today. God dictated the instructions, the words, and Moses wrote them down as he was told. And he wrote them in a book. <clears throat> Verse 25, it says, And that Moses commanded the Levites, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, saying, Take this book of the law. Take this book of the law and put it in the side of the ark. In the side. 
Some of your translations will say, put it on the side of the ark. In other words, the ark was sort of, was sort of like a box. It was oblong, and it was a little bit longer than it was wide. I forget the dimensions of it. And on this box, there was a ledge around the outside of it. You could say a porch, a ledge. And that's where the book of the law was laid. The Ten Commandments, the two tables of stone was put on the inside of the ark. Moses' law, or the book of the law, was placed on the side of the ark. Distinguishing the two, and many times throughout the scriptures, it's referred to as Moses' law, the law of Moses, the book of the law. It's referred to more times the book of the law than the other two. But when it speaks of the book of the law, the law of Moses, Moses' law, you'll find that it was the law that was concerning circumcision, concerning the feast days, concerning the, the services that dealt with the sanctuary and, and other things that God wanted Israel to do. They were important. And Israel's failure to do them was just as sinful in the eyes of God as observing, not observing the Ten Commandments. They were bound because the sacrifices that was written in the law of Moses pointed toward Christ. And the blood of those sacrifices did not blot out their sins and only covered their sins until Jesus died. When Jesus died, he died for the sins of the past Israel as much as he did for your and my sins. But it had nothing to do with the Ten Commandments. Nothing to do with the Ten Commandments. <clears throat> I brought a little chart. The Chinese has a word, has a proverb. That words, how's it go? A word is worth a thousand pictures. Okay, a word is worth a thousand pictures. Okay. My wife and some of you will get me straightened out on it. A picture is worth a thousand words. Okay. Here is the Ten Commandments. It was written by God. It was written on stone. It was put in the ark or on the inside of the ark. It was eternal. There was no duration of it. 
The law of Moses, it was written by Moses. It was written in a book. Now, brethren, a book is not everlasting. You can lay it up on a shelf somewhere and never touch it, and it will deteriorate and fade away. So it was not eternal, only for a period of time. Was placed in the side of the ark. Not in the ark, but on the side of the ark. It was only, according to Galatians, till the seed should come. That was to be the end of it. But there are people, still people today, that say that we ought to still observe some of the things that was written in the law of Moses. And someday maybe I'll preach on that. I probably, in every church I've been, I, I have. But I, since I'm only <clears throat> here until you find a full-time minister, I don't know if I will or not, but I probably will. Especially the feast days. And brethren, you'll find that Paul tells us that there's a danger in observing the feast day. For anything that deals with the law of Moses, because it was a type of Christ to come, and so when we go back and try to observe anything within the law of Moses, we're saying that Christ hasn't come. We're still looking forward to him to come. But if he has come, if he has died, then this came to an end. Because it only pointed toward him till he came. <laughs> Those are the difference between the two laws. I'm just saying so that we'll understand and realize that there were two separate, two distinct laws that was written and given to Israel. Is this just my interpretation? Let's turn and see. I think we'll find that God himself makes a distinction in 2 Kings, the 21st chapter. 2 Kings, the 21st chapter. You'll find here that even God himself makes a distinction between the two. In verse 8, he makes a promise to Israel. He said, if you obey, you'll always remain here in this land that I've given you. But if you don't obey, you're not going to remain here. In verse 8, he says, neither will I make the feet of Israel move any more out of the land which I gave their fathers. Now this is the conditions. Only if they will observe to do according to all that I, the Ten Commandments, to do all that I have commanded them, and, see there's a separation, and according to all the law that my servant Moses commanded them. They had to do both. But the word and separates the two. If they do all that I commanded them, 
and all that my servant Moses commanded them, they'll always remain and enjoy the blessings of the land in which I have given them. This is the foundation. If we realize and recognize that there were two separate laws, then we will be able to decipher the scriptures. For instance, turn to Galatians, the third chapter. Galatians, the third chapter. I'll give you an example. <clears throat> Galatians, the third chapter in the 19th verse. He says, wherefore, wherefore then serveth the law? What's the purpose of the law? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come. See, there was a time limit to it. Whatever the law this is referring to, there was a time limit attached to it. It was added until the seed should come. And people read this. Look at there. The Ten Commandments was only until Christ. Then there were no more. If you do not understand the formula, if you do not understand the foundation, you'll not be able to distinguish what Paul is writing about here. And apparently it was somewhat confusing even in his time because Jane, Peter says... That Paul wrote of things that was hard to understand. And he says people that are unstable or not wise. They wrestle them or they twist them to their own destruction. And so we want to be informed of the formula. That unlocks the mysteries that seems to be written in the scriptures. So the law was only until the seed should come. Now somewhere in this chapter, I'm not going to tell you today. I'll tell you next Sabbath, but I'm not going to tell you today. How we can identify what this law is. It is in this very same chapter. But in the previous chapter, Galatians 2 verse 16 Paul says, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. What law is he talking about? Someone will say, well, you can't be justified by no law. That's true. But brethren, this has to be referring to a specific law. What law is he referring to? Even Israel never thought that they were justified by the Ten Commandments. But they were justified by the law of Moses. The blood of those bulls Release 
them from their sins. The sins were not blotted out until Christ died. But they released them. I'll only tell you today that this is referring, the setting, the setting of the scriptures is in reference to the law of Moses. Paul is trying to get them to, to do away and they were trying to hang on. Trying to hang on to the law of Moses. Man, we've been taught for 2,000 years that we need to be circumcised. They didn't want to let go. And Paul says, we're not justified by the works of the law. As we once were. As we once were. But I said in the third chapter, you'll find there's a secret there. Not a secret. If a secret, I wouldn't know it. But it denounces or it tells us what law he's referring to. <coughs> Let's go back in the New Testament to Romans, the seventh chapter. Romans, the seventh chapter, and see how Paul speaks of the commandments of God. Romans 7, and first of all, verse 7. He said, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? You know, this... Some people's attitude today, it seems that when we speak about the Ten Commandments, it's something sinful, or why do you want to hang on to that which Israel never could keep? Brethren, that's a fallacy. Do you think God would ask man to do something he couldn't do? Israel didn't want to. When they wanted to, with God's help, they could. But there were times in which, it's just like people today, they did not want to. And they were not going to stand for anyone telling them that they ought to. They were stubborn. And God says they were stubborn and stiff-necked. We don't want to be like them. No, brethren... I, myself, and my own flesh, and my own strength, I cannot keep the commandment, but with God's help, I can. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't keep the commandments of God. That's only an out. Excuse. They're trying to excuse themselves. And so Paul says, I haven't come to my punchline. I just want to throw that in. What shall we say then? Verse 7. Is a law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. See, the Ten Commandments points out what sin is. Paul said, I wouldn't know what sin was, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. Now, which one of, the, of these two laws is lust attached to? It's the Ten Commandments. And Paul said, I wouldn't know what sin was, but by the law. Let's drop down to verse 12. Wherefore the law, the Ten Commandments, is holy. The commandment holy and just and good. It's not a hardship on us. 
He says it's just and good. Brethren, something that is holy, something that is just, something that is good, what be the need of doing away with it? Now, this was not good. If I had time, I could show you that the Bible speaks of this as a hardship on Israel. And I'll probably touch upon that next Sabbath. It was a burden. It was a hardship. But nevertheless, because of the rebellion, they still had to do it. Never in the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation is the Ten Commandments ever referred to as a hardship as a burden on the people. Never. It's spoken to here as a holy, uh, as a law that is holy, just, and good. James says in James 2, in James the second chapter, <clears throat> referring to the commandments, James 2 and verse 10 to 12, it says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law, and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. He can keep nine of them, but if he fails to keep the other one, whatever it is, and brethren, just because we're here on the Sabbath and we believe that the Sabbath ought to be kept, the fourth commandment is no more important than the other nine. In the sight of God. No more important. But I want to tell you, it's no less either. It's no less. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he's guilty. He's guilty. For he that said, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. For if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. You see, we just can't do whatever we want to. Yesterday I had quite an experience. I'm, I'm sort of checking around. I'm, I'm always trying to save some money. <laughs> and so I'm checking around for your church here to see if I can save some money in our insurance policy. And I call up my insurance man, and he and I are pretty well acquainted. And when he asked about the dimensions of the church, I gave him the dimension. He said, well, he said, that's a pretty good-sized church. He had forgotten the dimensions of the church in Fort Smith. He said, what is the dimensions of your church here in Fort Smith? And I told him, well, he said, it's true that the church in Worcester is not, uh, not quite the size of your church in Fort Smith here. And he went on to say, he said, have you ever looked around the church of Fort Smith or how it's built up, or residential buildings and expensive homes that's built up around it? I said, yeah, it's really built up out there. And he said, it's not going to be long. You're going to have your church full. And I said, well, Gene, I said, uh, I wish what you say is true, but I said, I'm not expecting that. Because I said, we're peculiar in many ways. And he said, what do you mean you're peculiar? And I said, for one reason, I said, we keep the Sabbath. Instead of the first day of the week. And I said, Gene, I said, how many of the commandments can you keep and still please God? 
What did I say? Break. Okay, thank you. How many of the commandments can you break and still please God? And he thought for a little bit. Well, he said, you sure got a good point there. Now, these are his words, not my words. He says the Ten Commandments is not like a buffet that you can walk up and take whatever you want. I said, Gene, you've hit it on the head. You've hit the nail on the head. The Ten Commandments is not a buffet that you can walk up. Well, I want this, and I want that. No, no, I don't want that. God never gave man a choice. But you do have a choice, though. You have one choice. The only choice that we have, brethren, is we want to serve the Lord or not. 